FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Welcome back to Castaway. It is our 50th episode. Woo-hoo! So you have stuck with us through uh, 49 others and welcome <laughs> to the 50th. Um, but it is a Tuesday, the 13th of April, and we have Kerry, of course, but we also welcome back Tom. Hi, welcome back, Tom. Hi, guys. Good to be back. After some uh, period of uh, paternity leave, so congratulations to you, yeah, Tom. Yeah, congratulations, Tom. Thank you. So, it has been 50 episodes, and let's take us back to 31st of March, 2020, so rather, rather dark time yeah. pricing wise wasn't it uh, you've got donald to... trump still president yeah we just started the first of many lockdowns across the world and let's look at what commodities were at <laughs> brent crude was at 22 dollars 80. so if you look at that compared to today that's nearly 200 percent increase since then if that isn't a case for hedging then i don't know what is yeah uh look at some of the fuels 108 dollars on the high sulfur Rotterdam fuel, 158 on the Singapore 380. Uh, the high fives look a bit more normal. Rot high five was 100, Sing high five 76. So something kind of normal around there. But on the freight, Cape 5TC was 5853. 5853. I mean, that really is just, just extraordinary today when you look at the index being nearly 26,000 today. So, uh, so, you know, 400 odd percent increase on that. Uh, again, talk about a case for hedging. <laughs> Panny's 5477, uh, Supra's 6248, and the Handy 60C 4790. So, all around about the same levels and they've increased dramatically since. And looking at iron ore, of course, uh, 62% front month future was $88.87. Again, seems like a bargain today. Simpler time. <laughs> yeah. Huge. But uh, I just thought I'd um, <clears throat> go through those values which we had uh, at our first podcast when we were starting this, because it was obviously s- spurred on by the fact that we had the the lockdowns and trying to keep people in tune with what's happening in the, all the different markets. But there's been an incredible change over the year, just over a year that uh, we have been recording these podcasts. But let's look at this week. So in terms of the news, uh, millionaire businessman Guillermo Lasso has been elected Ecuador's president. Uh, lockdown has eased slightly in the UK, with many non-essential shops and services allowed to open once more. Uh, a record number of Chinese jets entered Taiwan airspace, and tensions flared between Ukraine and Russia. Uh, and also, Japan has approved the releasing of one million tons of contaminated Fukushima water into the sea. So it's all rosy out there. Yeah, everything going swimmingly from a geopolitical point of view. Yeah, we're, we're kind of looking at the end of the, the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the vaccine, but then all geopolitical <laughs> risks are going to completely screw everything going on again. But let's look at where our indexes are. In terms of Brent uh, and the products, we've hardly had much movement at all, really, to, to, to note. Brent ended 63.31 up 0.1%. Uh, the fuels, Rotterdam, Singapore, uh, high sulfur fuel oil, basically around about the same levels as well. 33.995, Rotterdam, and Sing 380, 352.20, closing last night, um, just around half percent down. Up around a percent for the 0.5% uh, versions of the fuel oil, Rotterdam, 449.88, up 1%, and Sing 0.5%. 47113 and the high fives that's the difference between the low sulfur fuel oil and the high sulfur fuel oil uh, 110 on the Rotterdam high five and a seeing 
19, uh, the biggest movers of the week on the oil and products. 5.8% up on the rock and 7.2% up on those the thing. keep widening, don't they? Yeah. It's definitely increasing uh, and making things much better for those who were uh, installing those grubbers and the large investment on that. But uh, Kerry, freight, where are we seeing? Cape size, 5TC average, uh, 25.976. That is up $5,014 or 23.9% in the past week. Uh, Panamax 4TC at $16,016. That's down 4528 or 22% over the week. And Tom, iron ore. Uh, yeah, so on the uh, 62% uh, index this time last week, we were at uh, $170.85 and uh, close of index yesterday was $173, so up 1.25%. Uh, and on the 65%, the higher quality grade index, we were at uh, $199.85 last Tuesday and closed at 203.95 yesterday, so an increase of 2.05%. You've finally broken through that 200 level on the 65%. On the 65, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Not only I mean, that, uh, Brent uh, continues to widen just a tick, doesn't it? Yeah, so, it, is, it is widening a bit, um, which which I think we sort of said would be something to look out for. But I think yeah. <laughs> like, having been yeah. away for a, uh, a few weeks um, and coming back and having a quick scan of the numbers, the sort of mantra that I think a few people have started to just recite the last uh, the last few months has been never sell iron ore because every time it looks like it's going off it uh, goes <laughs> in your face so yeah I mean on an intraday basis that's certainly been true since I've been back and just looking at these numbers again uh, it seems to make a lot of sense or double it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, but but yeah don't sell iron ore and just to finish off the indexes on the tankers TC2 down 11% closing 124.72 TC5 down 5%, 129.57. And TD3C, the VLs, 31.13, down 4.7%. And the only one to move up this week, TD25, 75, up 1%. So why don't we go into a bit more of what's happening? Tom, we started talking about some of the iron ore there. Uh, I don't know if you want to elaborate a bit more on what you've seen since you've come back into the market and catching up with what's happened. Yes, I think on a sort of... um... Points to note this week, uh, I suppose one of the major sort of infrastructure pieces uh, from a trading perspective, not a actual infrastructure build, is that uh, futures margins on the onshore contract were reduced uh, this week uh, from 1,261 uh, tonne down to 1,120. Um, that came into force at the end of last week. Um, and that will normally uh, spur on some more activity, um, which um, I think we have seen over the last couple of days. There was certainly some fairly big price action yesterday on the onshore contract. Um, so that's just one to sort of keep at the back of the mind and keep an eye on uh, moving forward to see if there is any sort of other loosening of that policy uh, or tightening up if it does get overheated again. Um, my steel in terms of their estimates uh, for iron ore arrivals over the last seven days uh, were up 3.16 million tonnes week on week uh, at around 25 million tonnes. Um, and um, interesting news on the physical side of things over the last few days. So um, there's been some chatter amongst the Singapore traders uh, the last few days that apparently PBF uh, deliveries are forecast to decrease by 20 million tons over the course of the year, uh, which is a much, much bigger uh, fall than 
previous expectations that had been announced uh, between eight and ten million. Um, is, is there a reasoning behind that? Uh, I haven't heard anything yet, and I haven't actually been able to clarify that there is That's a striking truth behind that. But it is a big, uh, big number. Uh, so certainly something to watch out for. But Rio have also stated that they will increase their WPF and RTX deliveries instead. So maybe um, it's not such a huge impact given that it is being made up for somewhere else. But it is certainly something to keep an eye on um, moving forward. Uh, and then just a bit of policy or some news uh, at a political level coming out of China as well the last uh, couple of days. So the, the PM there. Um, G uh, has stated that there will um, be an effort to maintain and control raw material prices uh, to try and maintain enterprise profits uh, over the coming months and years. So I think you can expect to see more government intervention uh, on key industrial resources for China, uh, which will certainly be interesting as to see how that plays out on the international side of things, given that you know, they import so much of it. Um, so it's probably not going to do anything for international relations. Um, given the, the background of things at the moment, but it's it, it brings to the fore sort of the, the conversations we've been having about China diversifying its supply. And there's been quite a bit in the papers of late about these projects in Guinea, uh, more money going into those, trying to bring them online quicker. Uh, and um, that's that's certainly something to watch as well. Um, so they're the sort of main points from the market over the last few days. And then just in terms of uh, the the futures um, and bits and bobs that we've been sort of uh, taking note of over the last few days. Um, so the the um, on a technical basis, the onshore futures were pushing higher yesterday um, with bullish action into the close, but the offshore contracts of the SGX continue to sort of hold around its resistance levels of 167.57. Um, but um, a lot of that we're seeing and being told is from robust shipments, which does sort of marry up uh, with what we've seen from the MySteel figures. Um, I think the point to note really, though, is that there's uh, sort of increasing margins for the steel mills uh, and dwindling stockpiles. Um, so I think we can sort of expect to see the mills to just keep buying iron ore at the moment uh, and keep producing yeah. steel whilst those margins are still sort of looking fairly rosy so whatever the sort of fundamental picture is on the demand side given that margins are still fairly strong right now i think you'd expect to see some significant buying over the next few months whilst margins still look good i think so tom i mean i looked at uh, a quick chart on bloomberg yesterday just tracking those average steel mill margins in china and it's worth pointing out just how much they've gone up. I mean, from, yeah. the, uh, from the start of February lows of about uh, minus 100 odd RMB yeah. uh, in the negative, they've gone up now sitting at positive 1,275 RMB yeah. per ton. So, you know, that is a, a very, very unusually healthy margin level for the mills. Um, you know, they're, they're normally happy with three or 400 RMB a ton. So, there is absolutely no motivation for them to slow down buying except for government controls and government policy. Um, and, you know, again, that's where you might want to watch this spread. One more brief comment I have, and I sound like a broken record every week about this, but watching that spread, if you look at the just under $31 uh, spread now differential between the 62% and the 65% FE contracts uh, on the spot, 
that represents about 17.8% of the value of the 62% contract in terms of, uh, in terms of a premium. Um, whereas, you know, when people love to compare, oh, well, that's we're, we're hitting the same levels in dollar terms, about 31 bucks as we were as the highest that spread's been previously, uh, which was back in July of 2018. But in July of 2018, levels were much lower overall. And so that represented about a 40% premium uh, over the cost of the 62%. So, yeah. you know, given how high those steel mill margins are now, uh, you know, again, that's something I think we, we want to watch for um, a potential widening of that. So. For sure. All right. So moving on to oil and products, uh, you've seen from the indexes that it was fairly flat um, our last podcast to yesterday's close. Uh, but worth pointing out in terms of the EA, EIA statistics came out last week, uh, draw 3.5 million. Uh, gasoline stocks, however, were up 4 million barrels. Uh, Dislets also up as well. Refining utilization was 84%. So this kind of the EIA statistics coming out did cause quite a volatile day of trading on Wednesday where we saw eventually the markets did come off quite significantly uh, with that, especially with that the, the gasoline stock rise uh, for things. And if we look again about predictions of this week, unless are suggesting that the EI figures are due to be released um, this coming week um, with uh, draws across crude, distillate and gasoline. Uh, sorry, with gasoline stocks growing. So it's a similar picture again with those gasoline stocks uh, and everything. But it seems that we're the, the the crude market is keeping its head just above water, staying around that sixty three mark. Apart from that sell off that we saw uh, into the end of last week, down to kind of sixty one levels. Um, but worth pointing out that, as you said, Kerry, uh, those high five values are nudging yeah. up slowly. Um, seeing back in both of them back into three figures, uh, which are good for those people who did invest in those scrubber levels. Um, but something which I think is reflecting more in terms of the weakness of the high sulfur fuel or something we've seen an incredible strength. Everyone thought it's the end of this market uh, for the high sulfur fuel oil coming into with IMO regulation, everything, but it's held really strong. And I think the weakening of that, we've seen the crack, high sulfur crack come off quite yeah. considerably with the, the rises in crude that we've had. Uh, and now that's reflecting in a, in a slightly wider high five diff. Uh, other news to talk about isn't necessarily having an impact on the market currently, but definitely given a flavor of things which people will be looking at going forward. Um, one of those is the Iran and US talks about reviving the nuclear deal um, that has stopped Iranian oil coming to the market. If that is able to be <clears throat> resolved, then you're going to have a huge amount of of oil coming back into the market. I remember, and I can't verify this statistic, <laughs> but someone or somewhere it was written that Iran had some res oil reserves that if you laid out a barrel or all the barrels that they had out in front of you, it would cover 180,000 football pitches. <laughs> so just kind of sense of the amount of oil which could be released if things are resolved there. Um, of course, one of the big positives of coming out of the virus crisis has been from China. Uh, and if you look at oil imports for uh, 2021 continued or 2020 on the year before, it was something like 21% increase or something, you know, huge amount there. And uh, with China's prediction of high, higher GDP growth, all the other industrial action coming back on, uh, and then slowly followed by the rest of the world, it could definitely be something which that to continue, really. spurs yeah. on a lot of economic activity and therefore oil demand and everything going forward. But it does look like there's some pretty decent data coming out of China regarding imports and exports of, uh, of oil. Uh, 
imports grown to the highest level in four years uh, and an upward okay. trajectory uh, scheduled over the next five years from that. And that was coming from uh, a Reuters study. Um, we also noted that well, we've obviously got the EI figures again coming this week. Um, one news story which was unconfirmed, but there was the story of that Houthi rebels have attacked another Saudi terminal yesterday. Um, this has this morning been unconfirmed by Saudi Arabia. They claimed ownership of, of the attack, but this is something which, if you put that together with what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, Russia being a, a petro economy as well, yeah. all the problems, sanctions that could happen there, the unresolved nature of the Iranian nuclear deal and these problems of attacks in Saudi Arabia could cause a lot of sentiment to be pushing up. Yeah, and it and means there's a lot of sort of geopolitical tail risk there, isn't, yep. isn't there? Um, you know, and again, one more brief thing to mention probably was the attack on the Natanz nuclear facility yesterday, the cyber attack, uh, which Israel seems quite happy to claim credit for. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects negotiations uh, with Iran on the nuclear deal. Yeah, and you've got some the story of the attacks on Joe Biden and his divesting from oil and gas and all the problems in the US that they've had in terms yeah. of low prices for shale and everything else. So there's loads of different things which aren't everyone's kind of seems to be sitting on their hands at the moment. But how these all resolve and evolve will definitely be things that we watch on this podcast and our reports and information from brokers going forward, uh, which will impact where we, we end up. Yeah. And I'm sure that people will start bringing up those hundred dollar a barrel stories again <laughs> exactly <laughs> just for old time's sake <laughs> on things but yeah in essence what we're having is a forward-looking sentiment battle a sentiment fight between growing geopolitical risk increasing opec production and the concern of returning demand yeah so whichever wins out will give you a clue about where this is going but let's move on kerry freight yeah, well, on dry freight, I mean, the Cape market continues to strengthen despite a brief pause last Thursday to uh, for the market to catch its breath. Uh, West Australia continues to be especially active uh, with very, very healthy inquiry, uh, busy fixing, sending levels yesterday above $11 per metric ton that uh, in one fixture, in fact, heard late in the day at $11.60 per metric ton. Brazil has also been healthy, um, although not quite as active, uh, which incidentally gels quite nicely with what Tom was saying earlier um, about potential uh, potential problems at PDM. Uh, one C3 cargo, though, was heard done at uh, $23.75 for mid-late May loading dates. As has been the case in recent weeks, the nearby dates out of Brazil have not been nearly as active as those slightly deferred dates. So there is still a premium on the, on the on the date slightly further out. So, for example, end May loading. Um, but the market remains well supported overall. Some physical players are starting to throw around terms like juggernaut um, when we talk about the capes now. Um, one point worth noting, of course, is the exceptionally high level of exports recently from West Australia in particular. Um, and with the May paper trading at a value of 28,625 this morning, which is nearly 3,000 above the spot index, one wonders how strong the export pace needs to be to keep those, uh, to keep those rates rising. Um, it was only two months ago, it's worth recalling, on the 9th of Feb, really, that uh, the front month paper was touching lows of 7,625. So uh, it's been a remarkable rise. Uh, from a technical perspective, though, I see the MACD has just made a positive cross. 
Uh, the Bollinger Bands continue to widen, as you can see on the FIS Live app, and so there's nothing to say it, uh, it immediately needs to reverse itself at all. Um, the Panamax has continued to diverge from the big ships amidst the dearth of fresh inquiry in the Atlantic market uh, against a growing tonnage list. East Coast South America also simply hasn't delivered what most people expected, with the rosy optimistic forecast for those May dates uh, in terms of grain exports simply not yet being met in terms of real inquiry. Uh, the Pacific doesn't look that much better, with NOPAC suffering a weak finish again last week uh, against thin inquiry, rates largely being supported out of Indonesia for those shorter round voyages. Uh, the May paper continues to trade at 18,300 this morning, finding a bit of stability against weaker physical numbers. But again, how long can this premium on the spot be sustained? I guess that's the question. Q3 trading at 16,700 today on the 4TC contract. And speaking of Panamax and the 4TC contract, I think this would be a good time to remind our listeners that FIS is launching the first of a series of transfer windows for rolling exposures on Panamax from the 4TC to the 5TC index contracts. We've negotiated fee-free fee rolls on Thursday, the 15th of April with both major clearinghouses and supported by the Baltic. And of course, we will not be charging brokerage on the day for such rolls either. So our customers can place advanced orders with us for matching on the day. We do hope people take advantage of that uh, and start building that liquidity in the more relevant 5TC index market. And for those people who are sitting on a huge position of 4TC, how will they move that to 5TC? What's the, the kind of metrics of doing it? It's an incredibly simple process. Uh, it, it's simply a roll into the new contract. And the new contract is at the moment marked uh, simply at a $1,336 difference to the 4TC. So, um, so it's, it's a very, very simple process. Um, and in fact, my understanding is many of the physical operators, for example, have long been calculating their exposure on that 5TC index, which is the one actually produced these days, um, and, and more closely reflective of the physical fleet. Uh, and then frustratingly having to calculate it back into the 4TC index, which is simply a derived index these days. Yeah, because that so, was something on the January last year yeah. where they it was just a fixed different difference exactly. So exactly you're not losing anything um for financial listeners um this doesn't change anything in terms of the modeling on the panamax whatsoever if you have been modeling the movement patterns of the market whether it's the 4tc or the 5tc you have been modeling the 5tc because the 4tc index is simply the 5tc index with 1336 dollars subtracted from it so um, it's uh, something worth doing. Uh, this Thursday will be the first uh, and hopefully largest of a series of transfer days. But uh, as we said, uh, the fees are being waived for, from ourselves and from the clearinghouses uh, and from the Baltics. So we do hope people will support this. Cool. Thank you, Kerry. And to finish off on our market review, uh, wet FFAs. The trend for the last week um, has been a general softening across uh, all routes with the ongoing problems of the, the virus and uncertainty. The initial lifting of lockdown measures in the UK and OPEC increasing production, the long-term picture for tankers does look promising. Um, so far this week, TC2 has seen a strengthening with spot jumping up 24.38 points from 143.75 to 168.13. Seeing both April and May trading higher in the paper with April up 12 points to 162 and May climbing 
to 148 and then 150. Uh, decent volumes traded on the paper, meaning uh, TC6 saw the most volume traded across all routes yesterday. Quite something there. Uh, and a tight list on physical and some jet cargoes requiring extra precautions helped to boost rates. So anything else to finish? kind of update our, our listeners on for this week before we finish our 50th episode. I think that's it. Cool. Well, thank you for you know, your updates, Kerry, and welcome back, Tom. It's good to hear your uh, dulcet tones coming from <laughs> Singapore. <laughs> good to uh, but to all our all our listeners, thank you for joining us for our 50th episode and sticking us sticking with us through this uh, difficult time for, for everyone, I think. But uh, do join us again next week, and I'm sure that we're lining up... Uh, uh, shipping emissions special and other things coming forward to um, look towards the future, Absolutely. the bright future that we have. Anyway, thank you guys and to everyone. Join us next week.